years. When people say, where did you get that? I go here. This is where I got it. And they always go, oh, I hear the ads, but I've never been in there. I'm like, go in. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. There's nothing like this anywhere else that I've seen. Get directions, store hours, and more at DiamondsDirect.com. Out of bounds on the roar. Who do you play for? Play for United States of America. It's been 35 long years. Clemson has been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. You are looking live at Clemson Memorial Stadium in Clemson, South Carolina, where the game of the weekend is about to unfold. Calma, regresa al backfield. De John Watson, pase, touchdown, touchdown, Clemson, Clemson, con un segundo. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. How great is this? This, this could be the final play of the college season, perhaps, if Clemson gets a touchdown to win it. If Bama can hold him out, perhaps a field goal attempt for overtime. Watson, touchdown! Hunter Renfro. Little man makes another enormous play. And Clemson runs out of the field and celebrates. They come to California and strike gold. And now, William Qualkenbush and Ben Milstead with Out of Bounds on the Roar. Welcome in. Glad to have you with us. We are live on the roar on a Thursday, March the 9th, 2023. Thanks so much for joining us here on Out of Bounds. William Quaggenbush, Mike Vaughn with you inside the Upcountry Fiber Studios. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. This is really my uh, this is my secondary studio this week. And I actually will do more shows from Doug Kingsmore Stadium than from uh, than from here. So technically, this is my secondary studio. Um, this is a this is a great day. I'm just going to set this up right now. This is a great great day. If you are my age or a little bit older, um, or significantly older, uh, this is a day that gets you all in your feelings. I think um, it used to be the Friday of. Uh, there we go, waking Miami on the TV. That's what I'm talking about. We have a setup where I am uh, I am powerless to change the channel on the TV in here. So Mike Vaughn uh, hooking us up there with waking Miami. Uh, we're we're gonna give out uh, we're gonna give out some picks. I've got three picks on games that are currently um, are current like um, that that are currently going on. And uh, we're actually going to talk about a couple of those games with Brian Edwards, and hopefully it goes well. <laughs> hopefully those go well with, with uh, Brian Edwards at 145. This is a great day because this is the day that everybody plays in most of the conference tournaments. And it used to be that, you know, when, when, when I was a kid, when I was in school, and I would say it really started in middle school, Elementary school, I didn't get the benefit of that. I grew up, you know, in a in a place where they weren't really jazzed about ACC basketball. And then I moved to the Clemson area, and at Edwards Middle School, I remember the first time that a teacher let us watch the noon basketball game, the noon slaughter, where Clemson was going to get drilled by, I'm pretty sure it was North Carolina. 
And I, my life was changed. I thought, this is great. I don't have to wait until I, like, ask my dad or something when I get home. Hey, how'd it go? Um, that, that feeling of that, fir- that first day where everybody plays in the ACC tournament, when you get the one seed, you get the big crowds, you get all that stuff in the building, you get the big matchups. Even as the conference has expanded to 15, I still love that. And I don't love the first two days nearly as much. The first two days, I think, water the product down some. And the fact that there's so much sprawl waters the product down some. It used to be a hot ticket and a jam-packed Greensboro Coliseum for these things. And now it's just not all the time. But, man, I get so jacked up. Not just for this tournament, but I'm jacked up for the Big East tournament, which uh, St. John's and Marquette, uh, playing there right now inside of Madison Square Garden. Got to pick on that one. Michigan and Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament. Got to pick on that one. Uh, and then Wake and Miami. Got to pick on that one too. The, those tournaments, a Big 12 tournament, and I've never been super enamored with that one. The SEC tournament, I always liked a little bit. It kind of depends on the year. But Mike, this is this is just a it's just a day to get you all jacked up. Like I just feel great that I'm in here. I'm watching basketball wall to wall. We don't get that a lot of places because again, a lot of them end on Saturday now instead of Sunday. Those you won't have a noon game tomorrow. So this is like the one day of conference tournaments where in every single time slot all the way until well after most of us have gone to bed that you have somebody playing some meaningful basketball game. And I love it so much. I love it too, Quak. And it's great to be with you today. And uh, you, you bring back some memories. Seventh grade Emerald Junior High School at the old Emerald Junior High School, which was originally Greenwood High School. Seventh grade, Coach Wright wheeling in the cart with the TV on the top, plugging it in at the at the uh, door opening to the gym. And uh, during PE, we skipped PE those days, and we'd watch the ACC tournament. And then the rest of the day, we were trying to sneak back down, maybe on a restroom break or something, sneak back down to see if we could get a few few more minutes of the tournament. Yeah, you know what it it is it is something to me that people do not people do not get today. Because it doesn't carry that type of way. I mean, I see people all the time, especially people who have been around basketball programs for a long time, people who have uh, who have spent a lot of time, like uh, you know, watching these games and being um, you know being enthralled by the tournament, being encapsulated by the tournament. Anybody who's old enough to remember Randolph Childress blowing a kiss to Jeff McGinnis on the floor, like. That that is a that's a seminal moment in my basketball fan experience. That's a remember where you were type of deal. And I was like five, but I remember where I was watching that game. I remember watching him. uh, I remember watching him do that. I remember Tim Duncan running through the ACC tournament. I remember where I was when Buckner dunked. In fact, how about, I think it was the ACC or something, uh, showed a clip from, uh, they, they shared it on social media yesterday of Vince Carter, who had an insane dunk during that game. And I almost had the snarky tweet response, now do the last dunk. Because that was the same game that Buckner dunked back in 96. Like, I remember where I was. I remember um, I remember a couple of the Thursday night 8-9 games where you were always trying to figure out, are we going to play Virginia? Are we going to play Florida State? 
Either one. And it was like 50-50 whether you're going to win. And you weren't going to win the next day. If you were just, like, close at halftime, that was a win against the one seed the next day. Speaking of snarky tweets, I tried one out on the uh, the former Syracuse coach last night, Jim Beheim. Uh, didn't get a lot of response on that, but uh, we'll see. And maybe uh, maybe we'll get to that today, Qual. Yeah, we're going to get to that. We're, we'll talk to, in fact, we're going to talk to Brent Axe, who is, uh, I mean, he's ears on the ground up in Syracuse. That was a that was a very awkward press conference. In fact, it was happening in real time as we were kind of wrapping up the show yesterday. And so, man, I like it was hard to figure out what to do with all of that information. And then, of course, we got the school statement. I do want to spend some time on Jim Beheim today because he did have an illustrious career, and I have read lots of um, lots of you know retrospectives and lots of commentary on his career in the last few days. And it's, it's odd when something ends like that, how perspective changes for people. Like the things that matter are the things that are more true about a long period of time. The things that matter are the things that are more true about legacy than it is about like what he did today. We talk about this with coaches all the time. That's how our messaging about coaches when they get fired changes. Our messaging about coaches getting fired is, is always like every day, like every loss. In fact, we're going to have Brent on in about 30 minutes. We'll have Brent on, and I promise you this is what he'll talk about. He's going to talk about how all through the season – People got disgusted with Beheim, with the way he treated the student reporters, with the fact that he was he was um, he was way too stubborn to not try something else besides his own. When they were just getting knifed to bits recently, um, it, like to a fault at the end, he was stubborn. He was going to do it his way. He was curmudgeon-y. He thought he was better than everybody and better than the university and better than his bosses and better than the, the athletic program and all that stuff. And he's also, though, going to talk about the legacy, how he built Syracuse from the ground up. And he, he uh, you know, he popularized matchup zone at a time when it wasn't popular to the point that almost every old Big East team before that league broke up and some of them came into the ACC, almost every Big East team had a matchup zone of some way, shape, and form when, like, in the latter stages of the old Big East. That's... That's Jim Beheim's legacy. His legacy is also, you know, a, a couple of NCAA, like major NCAA violations, a suspension, over 100 wins wiped off his resume. It's also the second most wins that any coach has all time. It's the second longest tenure of any coach all time. He literally lived in Syracuse for decades. When he started college to right there at the end, he was in Syracuse. He loved Syracuse, still loves Syracuse. And he... I guess the way that he presents himself, a little bit of a, a little bit of a weird situation there. Again, not always great with the media, but like that was that was kind of his shtick. I read something where Seth Davis talked about how you know later in his career he would he had been a little more jovial privately, like in one on one conversations, and he really just enjoyed the give and take, and sometimes just didn't present that very well. It was more of a more of a favorable. A charitable read on Bayheim's career. A lot of folks are, are not going to be sad to see him go. I'm not going to be sad to see him go because I felt sorry for him. Uh, I felt like that zone just wasn't it just wasn't getting it. Uh, the things that made Syracuse fun to watch when you know 20 years ago when Carmelo Anthony and 
Jerry McNamara and Hakeem Warwick are winning a national championship, when McNamara brings them five wins in five days to the Big East Championship, that was another conference championship week run for the ages. Like, every game was a buzzer beater. I remember I was in college when he played a 50,000 overtime game against UConn, I think, in a Big East tournament. Eric Devendorf. I mean, you can you can Fab Mello for all the issues that he had. I mean, you can you can start listing off. He won a national championship in 03. He almost won one in 87. Keith Smart beat him. Uh he got to the finals in 96, I believe. And Rick Patino in Kentucky beat him. So this is a guy that built a basketball program from nothing and then watched it slip a little bit. A la Bobby Bowden. For example, we see that a lot with coaches who stay at a place for years and years and years and years and years that sometimes, because that's all they've known and that's all they've built, sometimes they're the last ones to see that it's it's maybe time to go. And even the way that he left, Mike, even the way that he left was very Beheim. Like, he wouldn't just come out and say, I'm retiring, I'm resigning, I'm stepping down, whatever it is. And he said, you'll have to ask the administration. And it's again, it seemed like they were trying to come to terms on what that would mean and how to phrase it to the point that he was not quoted in his own retirement press release. Well, you made the the, uh, point yesterday with Ben that, you know, all along this year, he's been answering that question by saying, I will let the university know when it's time for me to be done. And then yesterday when he was asked the question, he was he said, well, it's up to when the university wants me to be done. Right. So a little bit change, uh, change of attitude yesterday. So anyway, we're going to talk about that with Brent Axe, who I'm sure has a, has a lot to say. And again, I, I think the way that people are talking about Jim Bayheim, literally the way people talk about Jim Bayheim on the floor after the game was markedly different from the way that people were talking about Jim Beheim when he walked off the podium like 20 minutes later. It's, it was unbelievable. The kind of tweets that you're seeing about Beheim foiled again in Greensboro, the place that he said that there was no redeeming value to and, you know, uh, the against a program and a head coach that he accused of buying a team. Like, all that stuff kind of was drowned out within 30 minutes. And all he had to do was kind of say, I already retired last week and y'all missed it. Which that was... That was odd. Legitimately, no one figured that out. I didn't see anybody share a clip of Jim Bayheim on the court last week. I didn't see anybody share a clip of Jim Bayheim's press conference last week. If that's what he said was his retirement speech, that was the worst retirement speech ever. Because if that's true, then he retired, gave the speech, and then everyone else was like, hey, great speech, buddy. So we'll see you at work tomorrow. But but on the plus side, at least we didn't have to live through a Bayheim retirement year tour. Well, that's true. I mean, a text from the 864 says, I kind of like the way he retired better than Coach K last year, that I'm gracing your presence tour, poor adoration on me, uh, that sort of thing. I'm not sure Jim Bayheim was ever going to get that. Um, and, I mean, that's that's probably true. It's also true that it's different when the coach is going out of his own accord and there's a succession plan, and the coach is very much a participant in his own succession plan. So I I am being a little bit careful here not to over-glorify this thing because I agree, just stepping up to the podium saying, I'm out, deuces, whoop, out of here, next guy's up, boom, boom, boom. Like, you know, 
send the cards in the mail, in lieu of flowers, all that stuff. I I feel like the reason Coach K did it, and I know people want to ascribe bad motives to Coach K, but hear me out on this. I think it was good for John Shire to have a year where he knew he was going to be the guy and Coach K could get him ready and not have to hide it from anybody. I think that was good. If you're going to have that succession plan, organizationally speaking, that was better. Now, obviously, he got the retirement tour and the ovations and what, like all the, all the gifts. Mike Bray got a month of gifts. But also, it, like, that wasn't his decision either. With Bayheim, he was never going to participate in this. Which it had to be awkward when the folks at Syracuse went to, um, went to Adrian Autry and said, Hey, um, listen, we're probably going to do this. And uh, I know you're working for him still, but um, if we do this, would you like, would you want to do what we talked about and just go ahead and get up? And he's probably like, sure, I'll do it. Fine. That's why I'm here. So that's a little bit awkward. I think if Jim Bayheim were a participant in this, it might have gone down a little bit differently, but it sounds like he went out being told rather than going, sure, okay, that's fine. We'll talk about that more coming up next because I have one or two more thoughts on it. Plus, I want to get to your pessimism oh, about yeah. today. And, and, I, and I don't even quick, know what this is, but I'm shocked. Real quick, before we get to this break, I got to give a shout out, Qualk, to uh, some some guys down in Piedmont working hard today. Frankie, Brian, Troy, and Nick, they are making it happen. They're listening to the roar. And so had to had to give a shout out to those guys right before we go to break. And yeah, the pessimism, you know, I'm usually an optimist, Quark, but I've got some something that might be a little bit of a bad news segment for uh for Clemson tonight. Okay, well that stinks, but we're gonna talk about it anyway. Six five four roar is the number. You wanna get in the next segment, six five four seven six two seven. Also on the Adams Covering text line, 654-ROAR. Hour one continues. Spring cleaning is always first thing on the to-do list this time of year, so don't forget yourself. Roosters is here to remind you how important it is to keep your hair and face fresh and clean this season. Roosters has a full menu of what you need for male grooming this spring to check that off of your list. Don't forget to set your next appointment with the professionals at Roosters on Pelham Road in Greenville by calling 884-8920. Gift cards are always available at Roosters. Give the gift that keeps on giving. Race for the Green date is getting closer. It's March 11th. If you want to go ahead and sign up, you can do that. Sign up today while we still have some openings that guarantee you a T-shirt and a great swag bag. RunSignUp.com. We've got a fun run for the kids. 12 and under goes start at 8 o'clock. 5K starts right after that. You can walk that. And several people have said they want to walk the 5K. You can do that. Half marathon starts right after that. And remember, there's a four-hour time limit on that. Party starts at 8 o'clock. Julian Davis is going to roll up and give away a great prize for the best dressed St. Patrick's Day theme. Music, live DJ, drawings for a beautiful emerald necklace from Bradley's Jewelers. Great swag every year, trucker's hats, race shirt, sesquicentennial medal just for completing any of the races. Cash prizes, you'll need to check the website for more information on that. Great giveaways for placing in your age division. I'd like to thank some sponsors, Upstate Medical Associates, 313 Cafe, where we do the package pickup, and Santee Cooper. You want to know more? Seneca SC events or the website at www.sc.com. My Garage by Essex is proud to service the Clemson area with excellent service on all makes and models. They are professionals that perform high-quality workmanship with high-quality parts. With life being uncertain, you know you can be certain of My Garage by Essex, taking care of you and your family. 
Stop in to see them at 551 Old Greenville Highway, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. till 5 p.m., or call 864-633-5800. When you're looking for the beautiful gift she deserves, do what I do. Shop at Turner's Jewelers. They have an amazing selection of silver, gold, precious gems, and diamonds. And Turner's can create a custom piece she'll absolutely treasure, whatever the occasion. Trust a tradition of family excellence for more than 60 years. Shop now at turnersjewelers.com or visit them today in the Applewood Shopping Center next to Belkin Seneca. Southern hospitality meets diamond know-how at Turner's Jewelers. Carolina Direct Furniture, passing savings directly to their customers. Don't let Carolina Direct's warehouse fool you. It's stocked and ready for you. Bedroom, dining, sofas, rugs, lamps, mattresses, and more. They are a locally owned family store that operates with a low overhead to present you with the savings you deserve. Find them in Greer, where Pelham and Highway 14 connect, and they will connect you with the furniture and mattresses of your dreams. Check them out online at carolinadirect.com. Mention the Roar for an extra 5% discount. The Coyote K9 UTV helps you own the land you own. Hear the difference? Owning land sounds like this. Well, time to die. I want you to have my land, son. But owning sounds like... You see, owning is... Sign here. But owning is more... Yeah. The rugged Coyote K9 UTV. Coyote, we dig dirt. See BRB Trading in Greer or Stack Equipment in Anderson for more information. Live and local sports talk coming to you from the Upcountry Fiber Studios. This is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Serving the five counties of the South Carolina Upstate. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. The Upstate Sports Authority. <laughs> this is incredible. We are 105.5 and 97.5. Give him a lot of credit. He got that left arm underneath the ball. Where every day is game day. We are The Roar. Those crazy nights I do remember in my youth. I do recall those were the best times. All right, number one continues out of bounds. William Quagginbush, Mike Vaughn with you. You know, a texture brings this up from the 828. Says this, Syracuse did not, uh, Bayheim did not build Syracuse's program. Look up Roy Danforth. He was a great coach at Syracuse, and they were in the Final Four in, uh, in 1976. Okay, fair. They were in the Final Four in 1976. Let's, uh, let's look at what Syracuse basketball was before that, the four-year stretch at the end of Roy Danforth, which, I mean, he should have, he should get credit for that, no doubt. Uh, Roy Danforth <clears throat> took them to a regional semi, a Final Four, and two first-round appearances, okay? Uh, he had them in the top 10. They finished in the AP top 10 one time and the AP top 15 twice. Jim Beheim took that team, by the way, took that program, and was in the top eight in three of his first four seasons. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Let's see, 10, 11 top 10 finishes in his time at Syracuse and a national championship. Uh, 
And and two appearances in the national championship game besides that. So he went to national championship game three times, went to five Final Fours. Due respect to Roy Danforth. Appreciate that four-year stretch. Jim Bayon did it for like 50 years at Syracuse. I mean, I like, I don't want to be disrespectful. He did take over a 20-win team. He did. He also won 26, 22, 26, 26, and 22 in the next five years after that. I, I, Jim Beheim is Syracuse. Jim Beheim is more Syracuse than Bobby Knight is Indiana. Look at Indiana's history. Jim Beheim is Syracuse more than, I, I mean, I don't want to say it, but like more than Dean Smith is North Carolina. Jim Beheim is Syracuse more than Mike Krzyzewski is Duke. Jim Beheim is the John Wooden of Syracuse. Jim Beheim is your coach that put that program right on the map. That made Syracuse a destination. I've said this many times. I'll say it again. I've been to Syracuse. Probably... Six times, seven times over the years. Six is probably good. Five or six times I've been to Syracuse. And Syracuse is a basketball place now. They they built a dome for basketball. That's what they did. Unbelievable investment. They had like 25,000 people at a game just a couple weeks ago. A team that's not going anywhere. Very, now, they were also honoring the 20-year anniversary of a national championship team. I So, don't... Don't hear what I'm not saying there. Is that when the retirement speech happened? No, it's not. It's I don't think so. I mean, maybe that maybe he snuck it in there. I don't think so. I don't think that's what he's talking about. Maybe he did. I don't know. But rest assured, they care about their they care about their basketball at Syracuse. They do. There's nothing else to do there. If Jim Bayham's not building that program, they're they're not winning. I saw, I think it was The Athletic, ranked uh, football recruiting jobs in the Power Five. Guess who was last on their list? Syracuse. It's the worst place to recruit to. Not a lot of good basketball players in upstate New York. And let me tell you this, that Syracuse job, since they left the Big East, it got real hard. Because at the very least, you could go to all the inner city areas in the New England area and you could convince kids to play in the Big East, and you would get to play at Georgetown, and you would get to play at UConn, and you would get to play at Providence, and you would get to play at Seton Hall, and you would get to play at St. John's, and you would get to play in all these places. And you're you're convincing kids to go play at Syracuse and play in a system where you can rest a little bit on defense. It's unique. You're playing with other good players. You're going to play a lot of minutes if you come here because you're not subbing a whole lot. The, those are the tenets of the Syracuse those are the tenets of the Syracuse program, and it worked. He created a style that he didn't deviate from because in many ways that style was Syracuse. It's a little bit like what I tell people about Oliver Purnell at Clemson. People, people got upset that Oliver Purnell didn't stop pressing. Those people included me. I liked him. I wrote some speeches for him. I had a good, uh, I had a good relationship with Oliver Purnell when I was a student. But I, I felt like it hurt them that they played that way. He thought, if we don't play that way, we have nothing. 
playing that way is is what we had to sell. And Jim Bayon felt like playing the way they played at Syracuse is what they had to sell. Period. Greatest zone coach in the history of basketball, Jim Beheim. The matchup zones that are employed today are based on, most of them are based on his principles or some minor deviation of his principles. When I was growing up, I watched a lot of basketball. When I was a kid, ESPN, like I watched the big programs. I don't recall a lot of big programs playing zone or even really trying to play a matchup zone like that. The times you did play zone, it was more a traditional zone, a traditional two, three with area responsibilities and not the, what you would call an amoeba defense. Jerry Tarkanian had, <clears throat> had that uh, when he was coaching back in the day. It's an amoeba defense. And Jim Bayham's defense was an amoeba. Sometimes you look out there and it looks like a two, three. He's got his, he's got his, uh, his wings down toward the baseline. Sometimes you look up and it looks like a three, two or a one, three, one. Because he's got his wings way up on the perimeter. You had to attack it in different ways because a little bit like Paul Johnson and an, an option offense, he could tweak it ever so slightly without changing the mechanics of what it was. But he would tweak placement and he would tweak responsibility just slightly in the huddle. And then you would have to all of a sudden find a different way to get the ball where you want to get it. That was the beauty of his zone. I think as a tactician, it's brilliant. Because you don't change it a lot. I mean, they talked about it. he didn't have uh, he didn't have shootarounds. He didn't have uh, he didn't have you know traditional uh, road environments for his players to play. And they just stayed at the hotel all day because they didn't have to work on a lot of defensive principles because they were going to do what they were going to do and whatever you tried to do, they had a counter to it. Six five four roar is the number if you would like to join us. Six five four. Seven six two seven. Text from eight six four says, "Let's not confuse Syracuse and Jimmy with Wooden and UCLA." I get some of the comparisons, but nobody was Wooden at UCLA. I understand that. Here's what I'm saying: Duke had great eras before Coach K, or at least one great era before Coach K. And Coach K is the greatest coach in the history of Duke, maybe the greatest coach in the history of basketball. But Syracuse is like. Jim Beheim is the great coach at Syracuse, period. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, North Carolina's had other good coaches, but Jim Beheim is the great coach at Syracuse, the one. Will Vandevort wants to get in on this? Is that real? Is this real life? Willie V, what's up? What's going on, Clark? Oh, doing great, man. Hope hey. you're doing well. First of all, I need to ask, you snuck in. I wrote all of Purnell's speeches. Okay, tell me that story. <laughs> so there was uh, there was one year, and I'll, I'll keep this brief. There was one year I took a uh, I took a, like public speaking class, and my professor there, uh, Miss Glazer, I think she's still teaching on campus. Shout out to Miss Glazer, she's great. Um, she had been approached by OP to kind of do some talking points for him on the Ipte circuit, and so. I was the I was the point man for that. And I think he wanted it to be a student or wanted it to be like a collaboration. And so she asked me if I'd be willing to do it. And so we we sat down at the start of the Ipte circuit and mapped out a couple different templates for him and filled in some blanks. And so yeah, so that's how that went. How about that? That's something you work with me for years. I never do that. So uh <laughs> It was one it was one it was um 
I think it was about the same time I started working for you, I think, or maybe a little bit after. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Didn't know that. Something I didn't know, and I've known you pretty much your entire adult life. I thought I was um, a totally open book, but that's that's actually good for me. But there's a, there's another layer in there like for people. I like how you people. snuck it in. I, had, I was like, <laughs> when you snuck it in, I was like, okay, I got to hear this story. Like, what the world's Quark <laughs> talking about? Um, secondly, um, Quark, come on, man. I hate Duke and North Carolina as much as you do. Right? You know that. But, Quark, they are uh, – Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski are those two programs. I mean, Roy Williams did good, don't get me wrong, but Roy Williams is not the program. Dean Smith is. Dean Smith built it, and it is what it is because of Dean Smith. Mike Krzyzewski, yeah, they had, Duke had a little bit of success before him, but nothing like the success they had with him. And he is Duke basketball and always will be from here on out. Just like right now, Dabo Sweeney is Clemson football. Yes, Coach Ford had a lot of success, but not to the level Dabo Sweeney's had. Frank Howard had a lot of success, but not to the level Dabo Sweeney has. Going forward, Clemson football and Dabo Sweeney are one and the same, and that's what people will always think about, unless somebody comes along and does better. I don't see anybody coming along doing better than Dean Smith and, and, and doing better than Mike Krzyzewski at those two programs. And you're right, Jim Beheim is Syracuse, as anybody's John Wooden is to UCLA in the way you explained it. So I just wanted to say that because you got to give Mike Krzyzewski and – Dean Smith, their credit as much as we hate to give them credit because Clemson people do not like those two coaches, and it's understandable why. So I had to just come in and, and be the devil's advocate for that. Well, look, I understand what you're. I understand why you're saying that, and yeah, I, I'm not saying that they're not the best coach of their schools. I'm saying they're not the only ones. Like North Carolina went to. I think yeah, that's like saying. But that's like saying Dabo Sweeney's not the only one at Clemson. Yeah, I mean, Dabo Sweeney is Clemson. But it's but it, that's I mean, what that's my point though. Like Bobby Bowden, now let, let me let me say this. Bobby Bowden is the coach at Florida State. Yes, Jimbo won a national title, but Bobby Bowden is the coach. He built it from with his own two hands from the ground up. Flo, Jimbo Fisher doesn't sniff so the Florida State Frank job Frank without Howard Bobby Bowden. Coach at Clemson. So you're saying Frank Howard is the coach at Clemson? No, because Danny Ford accomplished significantly more in terms of achievements, putting trophies in a case, and that sort of thing than Frank Howard did. Yeah, this, but your definition. Frank Howard built the program. Without Frank Howard, there is no Danny. But that, Ford. but that's that's not there what that's no not. Television. No, no, no. You're 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 missing it. That's my point. What I what I'm saying no, no, is no, what saying I'm saying that. is Dean Smith took over a program in North Carolina that had already won a national championship and had been to like three Final Fours. Everett Case did a really good yeah. job at Duke before Mike Krzyzewski got there. That's my point. That you already had an elite era. You already had an but elite you, era at North Carolina and at Duke before those guys got there. But with that saying, didn't you just describe a guy for four straight years had a successful program at Syracuse before Mayheim took over? I, no, no, I wouldn't say kids. four. I wouldn't say – I mean, Frank McGuire had an undefeated team and a national championship. Syracuse didn't have that in the immediate four years prior. We're talking about eras. Like multiple – like like three coaches before Dean Smith, they go to a Final Four and a, I think an Elite Eight. Said, with that said, Frank Howard won, uh, what, uh, six conference championships – and uh, excuse me, eight conference championships and one uh, went to uh, six major bowl games in an era when nobody just went to a bowl game. It was hard to get qualified for a bowl game. There's only like seven bowl games, and he went to six of them in that str- in that time. I mean, doesn't that count the same way when you're putting it on the relative scale? Granted, he didn't win a national championship, 
But you, it was hard to win a national championship in college football back in Frank Howard's Well, day. I mean, it was hard when Danny Ford did it. You could argue the 1948 Clemson team should have technically won a national championship that went 11-0. But what well, my point being is that means the program was built by Danny, by Frank Howard, Danny Ford, not Dabo Sweeney in that sense. But Dabo Sweeney has done more, and that's why Dabo should be credited with getting – more about how, where he's put Clemson in the pro, where he's put that program at, and being synonymous with that program, as Mike Shashevsky is at Duke, and as Dean Smith is at. I mean, when you think North Carolina basketball, you don't think Frank McGuire. It didn't even come close to your mind. Yeah, but that's, people didn't even know. Right now, I bet you there's people right now. But that's not what I'm saying. North Carolina fans that, that had no idea Frank McGuire coached. There. That, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, no if, I, if I said, if I said, name a North Carolina coach, and you said Dean Smith, and I say, then name another one, and you could, right? You can name one. I could because I'm a I'm a dork like you are. We're we're dirt. <laughs> okay, we can. If I, I said like the average person can. If I said, <laughs> and you know what, you might be right in this in this sense with Duke. You might like. I'm not sure people would pick out. I think I said every case. I'm, I didn't mean every case, but like Bill Foster. Or Vic Bubas. Like, they, like the three yeah. years before Mike Krzyzewski got there, uh, national final, second round, regional final. Like, that, Mike Krzyzewski took over a pretty dang good Duke program. My point is, you could name other coaches at that school. Nobody's naming another Syracuse coach. Nobody's doing it. And it, even if you can't name one, you can name a significant achievement that happened before those guys got there. That's my point. The average fan can't. I'm sorry. The average fan can. Me and you can because, again, we're sports nerds. The average fan can. The I, average fan does not know that North Carolina won a national title in 1957 unless they looked it up. That You know what? Uh, maybe this, maybe it's not for the average fan. You know what? By, by the average fan standards, yeah, you're right. L- the, literally, the last coach they coached there is the only one that's ever coached there. Is that, isn't that what we do for everything? Sort of. But you also remember a coach who was dominant there. So you'll remember Dean Smith. Like, you know, I remember John because he was dominant, even though I, he was at the tail end of his career when I was learning basketball. But I remember John Wooden because he was so dominant. Dean Smith, you remember because he's so dominant, the same way Dabo Sweeney will be remembered at Clemson because he was so dominant. See my point? Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I appreciate the phone call. We got to go because we got a guest. Thanks, buddy. Uh, all right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, man. I, he makes a good point there. I mean, I just... I feel like there's a difference. We're late for a break, and when we come back, we are going to have a great Syracuse guest for about 10 minutes. We'll have the visit with our guy, Brent Axe. Stay with us. One day, your Honda, Acura, Lexus, or Toyota is going to need an oil change. And there's that question, where do I take it? Before you make that decision, ask yourself what you're getting. Do they test drive your vehicle? Do they rotate your tires? Do they glance at the brakes? Or remove the tires and provide an exact measurement of your brake pads? What about suspension? Fluids? At First Class Halt, an oil change means so much more than routine maintenance. Come experience the difference. FirstClassHalt.com, your dealership alternative in Anderson and Greenville. Built to last and rock-solid resale value. Just two of the many reasons to own a Toyota. And the place to buy your Toyota? Ralph Hayes Toyota in Anderson. For over 70 years, Ralph Hayes Toyota has been delivering great value and service while setting themselves apart from the competition. And they're the oldest Toyota dealer in South Carolina. For new, used, or certified pre-owned Toyotas, find them at Ralph Hayes Toyota, Clemson Boulevard, Anderson. 
Rely on the pros in EnviroMulch for all your outdoor needs. They have an assortment of mulch, riverstone, dirt, sand, gravel, straw, and much more. Choose EnviroMulch. Make your yard look amazing during the colder months ahead. Order at EnviroMulchOnline.com. Go Tigers! One day, former pro football offensive tackle Mitch Schwartz just happened to walk into Diamonds Direct with his wife, Brooke. The store blew us away. We both got back to the car after. We were like, oh my gosh, like, we didn't realize that this awesome store was right in the middle of Overland Park. And there was a huge selection. Today, Mitch and Brooke are frequent shoppers at Diamonds Direct. Oh, Brooke is very happy about her jewelry. Every few months, we make our way to Diamonds Direct, and there's another three or four pieces that catch your eyes. What they love is there's never any sales pressure at Diamonds Direct. In fact, they often end up spending less than they expected. We want to make sure everything's tasteful, everything's done right, and that's another advantage of Diamonds Direct is they're not just going to sell you the largest thing, the most expensive thing that you'll buy. They'll find what fits your finger the best. Are you shopping for that engagement ring or that romantic piece of jewelry for the one you love? Wander into Diamonds Direct, like Mitch did, and you'll be blown away as well. Diamonds Direct is great, and it's just a, a great place to shop. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Get directions, store hours, and more at DiamondsDirect.com. Needing to rent a mini excavator like a Bobcat E32, a skid steer, or wood chipper? Or maybe a smaller tool like a pressure washer, jackhammer, or compactor? McNeely Store and Rental has got you covered. Clemson alumni-owned, renting equipment and selling materials for more than 30 years. We also sell septic materials, ADS drainage products, concrete boxes, real stone veneers, and more. With two upstate South Carolina locations in Clemson and West Union, McNeelyStoreandRental.com. Or call Matt for a quote today, 828-553-4338. For adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now there's SkyRizzy. Rizinkizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clear skin at four months. And SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go hand in hand. Nothing on my skin, that's my new plan. Nothing is don't use if allergic to SkyRizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic and psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRizzy to learn more. Tuning in from the car? Stay connected to the Roar after you run your errands using our app or website. Download the Roar app on your phone by searching WCCPFM The Roar in the App Store or tune in on our website theroarfm.com slash listen. Our luck continues out of bounds. William Pogamus, Mike Vaughn. Still trying to track down Brent Axe. I know he had some stuff going on this afternoon, so he may have been a bit delayed. We'll get with him a little bit later on, though. Hopefully, uh, hopefully in the next couple of minutes or so, he'll be able to get free for us. Um, before we get back to this discussion of Jim Beheim, and then I've got a couple of things to say about NC State after they dropped almost a hundy on Virginia Tech last night. Uh, first, I want to tell you about our very good friends at PhD Weight Loss. If you go to the website, myphdweightloss.com, 
you can see what they've got for you. You can see Dr. Ashley Lucas. You can see her great team. You can see all the physical locations. You can see the nationwide phone line that you can use to check in and uh, keep your accountability and to kind of hook up with their program. People ask me all the time, does the program work? I say yes. Um, And they'll ask me specific things about their situation, and I'll just say, you know, you should probably ask them. Because they know how to deal with everybody. Everybody who's anybody that needs to drop a few pounds that would rather not deal with the symptoms of type 2 diabetes or sleep apnea or anything of that sort, they've got an opportunity to help you for sure. Um, You just got to ask them about it. They'll put you on a plan that is exactly for you, and then you'll learn what to eat, but more importantly, you'll learn how to eat. You'll learn what factors uh, improve your weight. Uh, and what factors get you to balloon a little bit? That's that's the beauty of it. Is it it is it is a self discovery process that allows you to become more in tune with your body when it's humming like the best version of itself. That's what I found. I lost twenty four pounds in five weeks last year, and I stepped on the scale today and realized I have not put on a single pound since that point over a year now. That's the difference with PhD weight loss. Go to the website, myphdweightloss.com. That's myphdweightloss.com. Mike, I want to get to your uh, your pessimism today. I'm a little I'm a little surprised about this. I gotta say, I, I was not expecting old uh, Mikey Downer to come in today. I know I'm I'm generally optimistic. I, I'm I make that a point. That's part of my philosophy, Qualk. But I did a little research last night, and I. Here's how I got this started. I started thinking about the place that Clemson basketball is in right now. Coming off of this double-digit win over Notre Dame, the last regular season game at home, huge win, senior night. Man, it was just a great night at Little John. And so I'm thinking they've got a double-digit win, and now they're going to play in a neutral site. Uh, You can call it an away game if you like. And so I went back and I looked. Every time this season that Clemson played and had a double-digit win at home, what happened in their next away basketball game? Okay. All right. This happened eight times this season. Qualk, how many times do you think Clemson won at at their next away game after winning at home with a double-digit win? Uh, And that happened how many times? Eight? That happened eight times? Out of eight times. Um, I'm going to say they won twice. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're a little bit more on the pessimistic side too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I I know that, I know that it's hard to win on the road and I know that they, like they won a handful of times, but it wasn't like they won nine games on the road, regardless of what they did the next game. They won three times after a double digit win at home. They won only three out of eight times away. Now, a little bit more bad news. Two of those wins out of the three were by three points or less. Um, On December 30th, they won at home against NC State. They went on the road, and they won against Virginia Tech, but only by three points. On January 24th, They won at home, 72-51 over Georgia Tech, went on the road and won at Florida State only by one point. All of the other times, except for the very last occurrence, 
they lost after a double-digit win. Some of those that we really hated to see was at South Carolina on November 11th, at Iowa, or that was a neutral site at the, um, I'm trying to remember where that tournament was. Uh, On November 25th, they lost to Iowa. That was away or at a neutral site. Yes. Um, yeah, that was down in uh, that was down in Florida. They beat Wake on December second. They beat Towson, but the next away game, they lost the game to Loyola Chicago, which was another. Ah, you know, just how do how do we lose? That's this the worst. That's the worst loss of the year. People will say this: the Louisville loss. That's not worse than Loyola won nine games. That's the and they lost by like what twenty two. Yes, that's worst loss of the year. All right, then January 11th, they won uh, home against Louisville. They also won at home against Duke, which was huge. But then they go on the road and they lose at Wake by 10, 77-87. Now, here's the bright spot. If I'm going to find some optimism in this gloomy news that I'm bringing to the roar today. The last time that they um, won one of these type games where they they had a double-digit win at home, and then they go on the road. The last time that happened, they actually won by 25 at an away site. And who was that against, Qual? That was against NC State. That was against NC State. So in my pessimism, I, I do shine a silver lining there at the end because that away win by 25 points was against NC State, the same team they're playing tonight in their first opportunity in the ACC tournament. Okay, a couple things on this. Love to get some thoughts. 654-ROAR is the number on the Adams-Gerving text line and on the phones. First, I, I, I appreciate what you're doing because especially as I'm trying to figure out, um, as I'm trying to figure out how to play, like how you play Vegas, there, there are two ways that you play Vegas primarily, okay, in my mind. One is you play the matchup. And you try to figure out if there's something in the particular matchup that when you put these two teams together, they just don't fit. And so one team's a bad matchup for the other. And that can mean you lay some points or that can mean you take a, an underdog, okay? The other one is situation. For example, I took the points with St. John's today. They're playing a home game, basically, at Madison Square Garden. They are up 10 on Marquette right now late in the first half, all right? So there we go. That's a, that's a good start. By the way, all three of my picks off to a good start because Miami, I got Miami at minus seven and a half. They're up five at the half, so that's good. St. John's getting nine points, by the way, against Marquette today in the first round of the term, but they're playing at Madison Square Garden, which is where they play a lot of home games. Michigan minus three against Rutgers. They're up three at the half. Rutgers can't score. If they, they're, they're at 25 right now, if they get to 50, I'll be shocked. They can't score at all. They've had a couple bad injuries in that regard. So I took St. John's over Marquette over the weekend, and the reason is this. Marquette had already clinched the Big East regular season. And what happened is they got up real big, and they started coasting. And they almost lost the game. They gave up like 96 points or something to St. John's. They, they ended up winning by two. You're not going to cover a double-digit spread at home when it's a, when it's a coronation. You're already hanging a banner. Like, you already know that. So you're playing situations. What you did right there is you just spelled out a situation where Clemson has not performed very well, and you've applied it to, you said, oh, this is that situation, right? Right. Part of that is, I think, what Vegas is doing here. Part of it is they're playing the law of averages because every single metric 
says NC State is better than Clemson. That's trying to predict these things. Now, the only one I haven't looked at, and we're going to do this live. Now, let, let me say this while you're looking at Go ahead. I'm the guy that's always optimistic. In fact, I'm the guy that has come in here every Friday morning and challenged Mickey to think of the Clemson basketball team as a NCAA tournament team. I said it after I came in here when I got to sit in on the Leonard Hamilton presser when Clemson beat them by 40. That's Florida State's coach. And he said Clemson was a tournament team. I also got to sit in on the Jim Beheim presser not too long ago when Clemson beat Syracuse. And Coach Beheim said Clemson is a tournament team. I agree with them. I just happened to find this negative news last night, and I don't know how it speaks to me. Well, here's, here's what I would say. That the one thing that trumps all other bits of evidence to me in this, like today, this is a colossal day for Clemson basketball. Make no mistake about it. The one thing that trumps everything is that this matchup is just horrific for NC State. And somebody's going to come back and say something like this. Well, Quark, did you see what NC State did to Virginia Tech last night? I mean, did you did you watch it? To which I would respond, well, yeah. I watched most of it. And also, I watched Georgia get a push against LSU. Love that. And also, I watched a couple other games come down to the end. I was really following Wisconsin. Ohio State almost gagged away the... Uh, by the way, I can't wait until Wisconsin is in a first four game with 15 freaking losses. And a net at 100. And they hadn't beat anybody. They lost a game last night to an Ohio State team that's now four and fifteen in their last nineteen games. They can't do that. Can four they? and fifteen they in the last that, nineteen games. Holy smokes! Anyway, so I'm watching that, but I got a, my main attention is on this game, and NC State looked phenomenal, and they looked great. And Smith was making shots, and Jordan was making shots, and everyone's going, "Oh, look at NC State! They look so great." And for the first time ever, I'm getting booed on the Adams & Co. roofing text line. You know, that's fine. That means you've arrived. I've got numbers on this, Mike. You know, uh, Tequavion Smith and Jarkel Jordan combined for 50 points on 19 of 28 shooting last night. Ouch. Oh, man. That is really good. Oh, man. And that sends a shiver up the spine of a lot of Clemson fans. You're, uh, you know, you're on your lunch break right now, and you're looking for some good news. I might say this once a segment. From now to the end of the show. In two games against Clemson this year, Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner are averaging 26.5 points a game. That's just over half of what they did last night. Mind you, we're supposed to be very, very scared. Very scared and very afraid and full trepidation of NC State. Ooh, they scored 100 last night. Ooh. Smith and Joyner averaged 46.5 this year against Virginia Tech. They averaged 26.5 this year against Clemson. They are combined 14 for 61 from the floor against Clemson. They get to the line and average of 13.5 times a game against NC against Virginia Tech. It's 9.5 against Clemson. Smith dropped 21 points in the first game. It took him 21 shots. He's 5 of 21 from the floor. Joyner, 6 points and 11 shots. Game two, this is in Raleigh. It's a big game for NC State. Oh, it's revenge. You know, there's some quote 
from, I can't remember, it might have been Joyner last night. It's like, oh, yeah, we got it circled. We definitely have a chip on our shoulder. Where was that chip when you played at home and you gave up 96 to the team and you couldn't throw the ball in the ocean from the beach? Seven for 29 in their building with a combined 26 points. I'm going to tell you right now, America is deathly afraid of Terquavion Joyner or Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner. You know who's not deathly afraid of those guys? Hunter Tyson, Chase Hunter, P.J. Hall, Brevin Galloway. They're not scared of them one iota because they have flat shut them down both games so far. So, Mike, all due respect, love those stats. Love the situation. It doesn't matter because this NC State team ain't beating that Clemson team unless those two guys have an out-of-body experience. Hour two is next. WCCP-FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville-Anderson, WAHT-AM 1560, Cowpens, 97.5, Spartanburg. We are the roar. It's moving day.